Hey, y'all. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Let's Mom Bitch. I am your host, Alonda, and I'm so happy you chose to tune in today. This is episode number 31. It's our anniversary. How was y'all week? Mine has been full of ups and downs, but it's been good overall. Um, As I told you all before, I have returned to nursing school to become a registered nurse. Um, I started classes on February the 1st and, um, everything started off great. I love the school. I love the school because the tuition is a lot cheaper than what I have seen. That was one of the reasons why I, um, had not returned to school yet because Number one, I can't go to a traditional program. I'm not able to sit in classes every day and still work full time. I have a family. We have bills to pay. So I was trying to find a program that allowed me to do most of my work online. Um, There are a couple programs out there, but those programs, I believe I mentioned this before, was upwards of $90,000 to $100,000. I can't afford that, especially since I'm paying everything out of pocket. So this school is affordable. I love that. I love it's a self-paced, like competency-based type program. So basically, when the term starts, you start your class and like everything you need for that class is right there. And then when you're ready to take the the final exam, if you feel like you're ready to test out the class, you take that final exam, you pass it, and then you're done with that class. So, so far in a little over a week, I have passed two classes. Um, with that being said, I had a little bit of a scare. Um, right after I passed my first class, I received an email And the email said something along the lines of um, a change with the Georgia Board of Nursing makes it so it it affects our ability to offer clinical rotation in Georgia. Please schedule a time to meet with our um, director to discuss options. And I've actually been in this position before I had started a Uh, online school right before I found out that I was pregnant and um, I ended up having to stop taking classes with them because I got put on bed rest and I wasn't going to be able to afford to pay for the school and so right after I had Nyla maybe a couple months after I had Nyla I decided to pick up classes again because I I was still within the time frame that I could just um, sign up for a class. I wouldn't have to re-enroll. And I did that. And then I want to say not even a month later, they contacted me and said that the program was being shut down across the country because they had an um, issue with the Arizona Board of Nursing and they decided to voluntarily um, surrender their approval. So they couldn't, I couldn't even continue into the program with them. Like their whole program was shut down. But this situation is a little different. The school is approved with um, Georgia to offer the education. However, Georgia has decided to put a pause on allowing out-of-state schools to do clinicals in Georgia because they want to focus their resources on the in-state schools. And I just feel like the reason behind that is maybe 
some of the in-state schools have been having trouble getting into the clinical sites that they would like to get into. And um, they complain to the board of nursing and, you know, it usually be some hater type stuff <laughs> where they was like, oh, these out-of-state schools are getting all the good clinical sites because this is Atlanta, Georgia. It is so many places. I just can't believe that there's no clinical sites available for nursing school. So I don't know. Anyway, with that being said, I thought that I was going to have to quit the program or be disenrolled from the program, but they told me that I can continue in the program if I was willing to do my clinical rotation in another state. So I decided to do my clinical rotation in Florida, Um, but they were saying that by the time that they think that I would probably get to clinical, they would hope that the approval would go, go, um, through with Georgia so we can get clinical sites here. Either or, I'm fine. I just want to get this degree out the way. It's a long time coming and I'm just motivated and ready. So other than that, I've been doing good. I love the school. I love the structure of the school. Everybody's so friendly, polite. They're honest. Like we have mentors, a mentor assigned to us that, um, checks on you every week in the first term and then I want to say the second term is is as needed or whatever but I love that aspect of it you don't get that in a traditional school in a traditional school I mean you have your instructors but they're just not readily available to you like this lady I could text her I could call her I could email her like we can set up an appointment anytime and they're just very motivating so I love it, and I will keep y'all posted on my progress. So Tristan's birthday was on February the 8th. He turned 10 years old. My baby's growing up on me so fast. Um, For his actual birthday... I just sent cupcakes up to the school for him to enjoy with his class. And he asked me for this specific yo-yo that he wanted off of Amazon. So we ordered that yo-yo and I gave it to him. And, you know, yo-yo is not like it used to be. Like they, these kids know all these types of tricks. Tristan be doing all these tricks and it just amazes me. So he enjoyed that. And then he wanted to have a skating party this year. He had a skating party last year as well so this year I just wanted to go a little bit bigger for him I initially wanted to rent out the skating rink so we could have like a private party or whatever a lot of the reason for that is because I wanted to skate and be able to bust my ass in front of friends and family and not in front of all of Atlanta (laughs) but I didn't rent it out but I did get him the VIP package so we had our own room I don't know if y'all um have ever done a skating party well I guess it depends on the rink, but the rink down here, it's kind of a situation like Chuck E. Cheese. You know how you can order, you can either get the party section, you know, for an additional cost. It's kind of like a private section up on the stage, or you could just be at, you know, one of the tables with all the other parties just right next to you or whatever. So at this place, they have this separate VIP room the room is open like the front of it's open as to where you can see what's going on in the rink but it's kind of like enclosed so you can't see what's going on next to you you know what I'm saying 
Um, so we had that room and all the kids. It included skating, laser tag, an arcade for all the kids, a piece of pizza and something to drink. And um, we had an excellent turnout. Tristan had an awesome time. His peep kids that he played football with, they came. Some of my, uh, my friends and their kids came. Um, his mama and papa came from um, South Carolina, and they brought their two grandkids with them. So um, Tristan was excited about that. And, of course, some of our family members came. Um and it was an awesome time and Tristan cleaned up. I swear he had like $400 in cash plus a couple gifts and it was awesome. So um, I'm happy my baby had a good time. I told him that, you know, he's 10 now. So the, we're not going to do birthday parties every year now. Um, I think that I now that he's older, I think that we're just going to get him stuff and take him somewhere he wants to go on his birthday and his next party will probably be one of his milestone birthdays like a sweet 16 party or whatever you call it for a boy is it the same thing for a boy as a girl (laughs) but that's probably the next big party we have for him now we have to focus on all of Nyla's little birthday parties (laughs) so it was awesome time and Tristan also on his birthday started baseball He had his first practice on his birthday, and surprise, surprise, um, Shay is an assistant coach. He had ended up taking Tristan to, first of all, Shay is a big baseball fan. Um, He knows a lot about the sport. He wanted his son, CJ, to play baseball when he was young, which he did for a while, but he didn't want to make a career out of it or anything like that. Um, but so that is his sport. So I basically am letting Shay handle everything baseball when it comes to Tristan. And he's really been doing an excellent job with like giving him tips and tricks and coaching him. Well, apparently when they went for the tryouts, um, he was speaking to one of the coaches or whatever, and he had agreed to help out with the team. So he is an assistant coach now, and I think that's pretty awesome. And Tristan really likes the fact that he's an assistant coach as well. So Tristan has even said that he thinks that baseball is going to be his sport. He really seems to be enjoying it um, a lot more than the other sports that he played. So we'll see how it goes, and I'll definitely keep y'all posted. Guess what, y'all? This week marks the one-year anniversary of the Let's Mom Bitch podcast. I am so excited about that. For years prior to me starting this podcast, I just kept saying I was going to do it and kept procrastinating, kept procrastinating because I just thought and I wanted everything to be so perfect. But one day I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. So I started doing some research. I watched a couple of YouTube videos. And I remember coming across this one video. And the guy was like, do 100 episodes of a podcast. Just do it. Get to 100 episodes and then go from there. If you can make it to 100 episodes, then you can make it to, you know, you can be successful. However you consider yourself being successful. 
as a podcaster. So that's my goal to make it to 100 episodes and then go from there. Um, I do, as I've said to you all, I do want to see this podcast blow up. I do want everybody to be talking about it, everybody to be listening, because I feel like as a mom and as a nurse, even if you're not a podcaster, like you have valuable information to spread your experiences, your opinions and all of that. There's people that's going through the exact same situations as you and they want to hear from somebody that's going to keep it real. Who's not going to give you that fluff, that terminology that doctors and therapists and all of them use. They want somebody to say, Hey, this is what it is. This is what I experienced. So And I just like to talk. I like to get it out. And this podcast has been very therapeutic for me. Um, And I don't have a whole lot of listeners, but I have more listeners than I would have imagined having for my little old self. So So I just thank you all who's been with me from day one. I thank everybody who has came since then and who's still coming and who may have listened to a couple episodes and still trying to figure out if this is something that you want to commit to i really appreciate each and every one of you so happy anniversary this is y'all anniversary too y'all it's the anniversary of my listeners So this story that I wanted to talk about today, um, this situation happened last year, I want to say in July, and um, I was going to talk about it back then, but I just couldn't bring myself to even think about it. But I know y'all y'all heard about the um, doctor who decapitated the baby during delivery in, here in Georgia. Um, that happened at, um, allegedly, we have to say allegedly, but that happened at, um, Southern Regional Medical Center. And I believe it's in, um, Riverdale, if I'm not mistaken, Riverdale, Fayetteville. Anyway, it's an Atlanta area hospital. It was the young couple's, um, first child, um, I'm just going to go ahead and read this article from um, CNN because the um, family, of course, is suing the hospital, the doctor and um, the nurses, everybody who was in the room, basically. And a little side note to that is this is one of the reasons I'd be terrified with my nursing license. Like I'd be terrified to work in certain places like um, I mean, I know this unless this hospital just has a bad reputation, I'm sure, you know, I wouldn't have been terrified to work there, but you'll just be terrified that something would happen that wasn't your fault. And then you end up having to go to court and testify and are possibly losing your license or your reputation. But anyway, let me go ahead and read this. So the parents are, um, suing, which they have every right to do. 
It says a mother who alleges her baby was decapitated during delivery at a Georgia hospital last month filed a lawsuit Wednesday against the hospital and others involved in the delivery, according to legal filings. The complaint filed in Georgia's Clayton County alleges that Southern Regional Medical Center attempted to conceal the manner of death of the baby from the family, including the mother, 20-year-old Jessica Ross, and her boyfriend, Trayvon Isaiah Taylor Sr. The medical center is in Riverdale. There we go. Some 13 miles south of downtown Atlanta, the baby, whose name after his father, was delivered at full term, according to the family attorney. The county medical examiner's office has not released the cause of the baby's death. The officer, the office is still working to complete the baby's autopsy. The office's director, Brian Byers, told CNN, according to the lawsuit, Ross went into labor on July 9th and her doctor attempted to deliver the baby vaginally using different methods, including applying traction to the baby's head. During the attempted delivery, the baby did not properly descend due to shoulder dystocia, a condition when a baby's shoulders become stuck in the vaginal canal, the lawsuit says. The physician failed to practice according to medical standards. The complaint reads, The complaint says the doctor grossly and negligently applied excessive traction on the head of the baby and failed to do a cesarean section in a timely and proper manner, resulting in Trayvon Isaiah Taylor's Taylor Jr.'s decapitation and death. In a statement to CNN on Wednesday afternoon, Southern Regional Medical Center said it denies the allegations in the complaint referencing the hospital. According to a statement from the family spokesperson, when Ross and Taylor demanded to see and hold their baby, hospital staff told them that they were not allowed to touch or hold their child. Hospital staff allowed the young couple to only view their dead child. The statement from the family spokesperson reads, during this viewing, their baby was wrapped tightly in a blanket with his head propped on top of his body in a manner such that those viewing him could not identify that he had been decapitated, according to the statement. On Thursday, the Clayton County Medical Examiner told CNN in a statement, his office is calling on state officials to investigate the incident. Byers said his office has contacted the Georgia Composite Medical Board and requested that they also investigate three doctors' roles in this incident. He added the office is in the process of notifying the Georgia Secretary of State Office Board of Nursing as well and will request that they also investigate the nursing staff's role in this incident. The Southern Regional Medical Center said it was unable to discuss the care and treatment of specific patients due to patient privacy laws in the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, or HIPAA. Our heartfelt thoughts and prayers are with the family and all those impacted by this tragic event. The medical center statement reads, our prayers also remain with the dedicated team of physicians, nurses, and staff at Southern Regional Medical Center who cared for this patient. Our commitment is to provide compassionate quality care to every single patient, and this loss is heartbreaking. 
Since this matter is in litigation, we are refraining from providing any additional information, the statement reads. The physician involved in the delivery is not an employee of the hospital, the statement reads. The hospital has taken the appropriate steps in response to this unfortunate situation, the statement reads. The lawsuit alleged, among other things, negligence by the defendants who included the medical center and the physician, Dr. Tracy St. Julian, CNN's attempt to reach St. Julian at a private practice were unsuccessful. The suit asks for a jury trial, and the plaintiffs are asking for monetary damages, including the value of the baby's life, such as loss of lifetime earnings, and for funeral and burial costs and expenses. The county medical examiner, examiner's office expects to have a statement about his findings Thursday, Byers said. So that article that I just read you all was not up to date. That was from back in August, right after it happened. But since then, um, the um, the cause of death has been ruled a homicide. Um, uh, and the lawyer was saying that um, basically they did the hospital tried to cover up the fact that the baby was decapitated as in the um, previous article it was saying that they gave the baby to her tightly wrapped with the head propped up so they wouldn't know that the head was decapitated they also tried to force her into force the parents into getting the baby cremated and to not get an autopsy so basically they were trying to get her allegedly to um, destroy any evidence that might, you know, get the hospital in trouble. And they were saying that this was hospital staff that was telling them to do that. Um, the parents said that she, the Dr. St. Julian, I believe her name is Tracy St. Julian, that she didn't show any remorse. Um, nobody at the hospital told them that the baby was decapitated. They found out by the funeral home. Um, it said after about three hours of attempting vaginal delivery, the obstetrician moved Ross into an operating room and attempted a cesarean section. However, the parents had asked for a C-section hours before, you know, before they actually did it, they had asked for the C-section hours before because she couldn't push anymore. And then um, they said that the infant's body was delivered through cesarean section and the head was delivered vaginally. And the baby was already deceased due to excessive force applied by the obstetrician where she attempted to deliver the baby vaginally, uh, vaginally, according to the complaint. They said um, the parents knew that the baby didn't make it. And the hospital staff did not inform the parents that the baby was decapitated. So I already read that to you all. And um, let's go back to the previous article at that whole spill where the hospital was like, and prayers up to the nursing staff and everybody here because we're committed to blah, blah, blah. 
um, y'all could have left that out. We don't need y'all mission statement. We don't need what the hell you was committed to because y'all may or may not be going through this right now. If y'all had been honest about what happened, y'all should have told that lady immediately. She should have never, them parents should have never had to find out that their baby was decapitated by the funeral home. What type of shit is that? Like, one thing being a nurse that I understand that, you know, normal people don't understand or people that's not in the medical field doesn't understand that things do happen like this. You know, things, it, it in some situations, it may not necessarily have been negligent or malicious or whatever when certain situations happen that cause harm or death to a patient or a child, a baby, whatever. But things, especially in childbirth, can go terribly wrong. And um, a physician could be doing everything they can to rectify the situation and the outcome still be bad. If that was the case in this situation, this physician, in my opinion, and this hospital, in my opinion, messed them, themselves up by trying to cover it up. On top of that, like even the nurses, the staff around, like I would have been fired because there's no way that anybody, if I was in that room, first of all, I would have been traumatized. I may have quit nursing. Like how, if I had saw the baby without a head, like how could I live with myself for not saying something? You know what I'm saying? Like your job is not that important when it comes down to, something as horrendous as that you know what I'm saying and on top of that I'm trying to avoid being accused of anything like if anything y'all gonna know me as the whistleblower because I would not be able I don't think I would be able to sleep at night after what I saw like I personally you know like I'm in school right now to be a registered nurse one of the top positions that I wanted as a registered nurse is to work in labor and delivery. I don't even want to work in labor and delivery anymore. That's how, just from hearing this story, that's how bad it would be for me. So imagine how it would be if I was actually in that room when that happened. And so now, you know, maybe the doctor thought she could get the baby out. Maybe she did. Maybe she really thought that she could get the baby out. And then when she realized that she couldn't, like she just did everything she could to try to get the baby out. But you didn't tell these people what happened, no matter how horrendous it was. You should have, I mean, you could have got with the hospital staff and got y'all thoughts together and worded it in in the best way possible. But it was your responsibility as the physician to own up to that shit and just explain the best way you could what happened. And you probably still would have got sued. But it wouldn't have been looking as bad on you as it's looking now at the fact that you try to cover that shit up. And it's looking real bad on that hospital at the fact that they not only did they try to help them cover it up or somebody in that hospital try to help cover it up. Now you're disassociating yourself with the physician like she's never worked here. She's never been an employee. Well, that may be the truth, but it looked even worse for y'all 
to be saying that right now because that's irrelevant. Now, for those of you who might not understand that comment, that does not mean that she wasn't a physician. That doesn't mean she snuck in there and pretend to be a physician and delivered a baby. Because I, when this story came out on Instagram about like the latest details and the lawsuit, people were saying like, how did somebody get in there that's not a doctor to deliver the baby? That's not a ca- the case whatsoever. That doctor was not an employee of that hospital. She has her own medical practice, but she has privileges at that hospital to deliver babies. So they, the hospital just made, made sure they wanted to be not associated with that doctor and, um, to basically get out of that lawsuit. But no, I believe that that hospital need to be sued. I believe that doctor needs to be sued. And they were going to be sued regardless of how this the outcome of this was. You know what I'm saying? Like, regardless of whether she told the truth or not, they would have sued them because their baby died during child support, childbirth, no matter how it happened. So, I don't know, but it's crazy. I feel so sorry for this, um, this family. Um, and it's, uh... You know, I don't want to offend anybody, but I'm going to just keep it real. If it's a black woman, it's a black doctor, I was shocked about that as well. Not to say that color has anything to do with it, but it's the simple fact that the it's so many problems when it comes to, like, doctors and black women. So many black women, you know, have complications or die or whatever the case may be, or babies, black babies die during childbirth at a higher rate than any other race. So that's why I wanted to mention that. So it it, it just shocked me all the way around the whole situation. However, I will say this, when I found out who the doctor was, and I looked up the doctor, and I looked at her Facebook page, beautiful older um black woman beautiful family daughters i believe she has a son and a daughter i know for a fact she has a daughter you know her and her husband you know they look good together and then she has 27 years of um of experience as being an obgyn like i know this this is probably going to be a controversial statement but like a piece of you a piece of me kind of feels bad for her because I don't know this doctor and I don't know, you know, how she was as a doctor. And when you go to try to look up her reviews now, it's saturated with all the people that done heard about the story and calling her a baby killer and she should lose her license, horrible monster, all that stuff. So I can't even see whether she ever had any good reviews. But when you're thinking like nice family, nobody was talking trash about her prior to, you know, when the, the situation happened in the in the um, field for 28 years. You just think about like me and like me being a medical professional, knowing that things can go terribly wrong and it may not even be, it may not necessarily be your fault. Like you have to, as a physician, you have to make certain judgments and sometimes your judgment is wrong. 
it kind of makes you feel, it kind of makes me feel bad for her a little bit. But what's messing up the fact that, um, the fact of wanting to feel bad for her is the fact that you did not disclose what happened to that baby. And maybe it's because you panicked. Maybe it's because you were scared. You was hoping that they would get an autopsy and you could make it go away. You know what I'm saying? You was hoping they wouldn't get an autopsy or they would cremate the baby and you was hoping it would go away. I just can't imagine her mental state right now. That's what I'm saying. I don't want to think that this lady maliciously killed this child I I don't think it was malicious at all I I don't think that she would be in the business this long if she was a a negligent doctor but I don't know her and I'm not trying to justify anything in this situation I'm just saying if her intent was good if she was just this it has to be a traumatic experience for her it just has to be like maybe she panicked and it was that and she made the wrong decision but the fact that she didn't disclose what happened to that baby I can almost guarantee you that that she's gonna lose her medical license and she will never be a doctor again and she probably I would think that she would receive some criminal charges um so I don't know that's just my opinion on the situation prayers up to that family um Man, that was their first child. And then to go through this and then just to know that you're a black woman. And I hate to say it like this, but some of these, it just seemed like the medical community sometimes don't care about us when it comes to, you know, childbirth and anything really. But really. Sorry, I had some technical difficulties, but like I was saying, like it's that was her first child and um, being a black woman and knowing that the instances of maternal death is so high and, you know, it just seems like they don't care about us when when we're in these hospitals and giving birth and stuff. I had a bad experience when I was um, pregnant with Nyla. And not pregnant, but my pregnancy was fine. Like, it seemed like those doctors, my maternal fetal specialist, and them, they really cared about me. Um, They even brought some things to my attention about my pregnancy with Tristan because he was born premature and they never indicated to me that there was any issue you know, with my cervix or anything like that, the potential of me having a preterm baby, they never indicated that to me. But um, I remember when I was pregnant with Tristan, um, I would try to address my concerns with the doctor and he just seemed like he wasn't hearing me. He just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then sure enough, my water broke prematurely. So um, I don't know. I think it would be... I I don't think that I would, on one hand, I don't think that I would want to have a child now because of the experience that I went through if I was this young lady. 
very traumatic experience. And then to know that to not even trust the doctors or the hospitals or whatever, like, I don't think that I would want to put myself through that. But at the same time, I would also be probably trying to cope with the loss and wanting my baby so bad. You know what I'm saying? So I probably would try to have another baby. So I don't know. But I just prayers up to them, their family. I hope that they receive the justice that they deserve. Also prayers to Dr. St. Julian and her family. Um, Even on the Facebook page, like people's going to everything and just saying baby killer and all types of stuff. They're really like going in on them. I really would love to hear what she has to say. But of course, um, she's probably not saying anything due to the lawsuit. There was even a couple people that was on her page that was like giving compassionate comments like, um, um, I really wish you would have just told the truth, you know what I'm saying? Because it would have looked a lot better on her if she had told the truth. But then again, imagine if you was the doctor that decapitated a baby, you made a grave mistake, um, and just prayers up to her and her family because although you know what happened happened um she's human and um I want to hope that she's not a malicious human being and that this was just a grave medical mistake and if that's the case then she needs to rectify the situation somehow and that the only way that may happen is if she lose her medical license and then her family shouldn't be having to go through the backlash and all of that because of something that she did. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, yeah. All right. So this episode I don't have a specific topic that I'm talking about just talking about what I'm talking about um but I do want to update y'all on the kids um specifically Nyla um she is 21 months now but when we went to her 18 month visit um we had to do like all the questionnaires that they have us do and they had some concerns so I want to talk to you all about that today my husband just walked in say hello Shay hey everybody long time no here yes yes so we're definitely going to talk about these findings so starting at the 18 month visit for those of you who don't know that one of the questionnaires that they do is called the M chat and right off the top of my head I don't know what the words stand for but it's basically the autism screening and um, basically you your um, child has certain milestones that they're supposed to meet by a certain time frame and um, some of those milestones if they're not met um, the child could be considered as at risk for autism. So Nyla had scored high on the um, risk factor because some of the things that she wasn't doing at the time, such as responding to her name and um, trying to get our attention for things and pointing to stuff. And what else was it? Was that? It was like climbing on things or... 
do they play with themselves, you know, like, you know, entertain themselves or anything like that. And we pretty much didn't see a whole lot of that at at the time. Yeah, so now the crazy part about it is, you know, I had worked at a pediatric office with that same hospital system that she she um, has her appointments at. And I would pass out those papers all the time. But um, with my provider, I basically just had to give those papers to my provider. I wasn't responsible for entering those in. So I never really paid attention to the papers. So, you know, I'm just filling it out. And I was at the appointment by myself um, that particular day. I believe you were working, right? I believe um, Shay was working. He said he was working. So, um, I just didn't. I knew she was a little delayed because she was premature. I remember Tristan not doing things um, at the appropriate time frame. But I just never, it never crossed either one of our minds that anything else could be wrong with her other than she's just a little delayed. I just really expected, you know, I kind of had in the back of my head that she wasn't talking that much, but I just expected like once she turned two, she would start talking a lot because I remember Tristan talking a lot around them. So I was devastated. I got back to the car. I called my husband. I was crying. Like, you know, you don't want to think that anything's wrong with your child. Like, how did you feel, baby, when I told you about that? Uh, You know, I, I kind of felt where you were coming from. It was definitely a reason to be concerned. But at the same time, I didn't want to overreact because I knew my baby was pretty much, okay, you must think, she may not be, you know, up to their standards where, you know, as far as milestones, but I had a really good, strong feeling that my baby girl was fine. Yeah. And, um, you know, from with me, I was probably a lot more worried just for the simple fact that I'm a nurse. And like, once that stuff was brought to my attention, it's like, now you start seeing it everywhere. Now you start noticing, oh, she's not doing this. Oh, she do this. What they say, you know, kids with autism do and all that. So I was just really for days, probably weeks, I was just really like stressed and racking my brain and worried and watching her and trying to get her to point and having, trying to get her to talk and respond to her name and all this stuff. So one, the doctor told me that she um, scored, you know, it had an abnormal score. She had asked if we wanted to go ahead and do a referral for speech therapy, or did we want to wait until her um, two-year-old appointment and go from there? And at the that moment, I'm, you know, still kind of in denial. Like, it still hadn't hit me. It didn't really hit me till I got in the car what she was trying to tell me like I still was I still had that attitude like oh she's fine oh I I didn't think anything like that I didn't notice any problem you know we'll see how she's doing at a two-year-old visit and the doctor was like okay and she made a little notes and then I get to the car and it hit me and like I said I called my husband and um we talked, I want to say a couple of days later, and I was like, you know, maybe we should just go ahead with the speech therapy. Like, we already know that if anything, that she is speech delayed, so maybe that would help her speed on up a little bit. So we decided on that, and I contacted the doctor and told, and told them that we wanted to go ahead with that. They put in the referral, but I no longer had the insurance associated with that 
um, hospital system. And so the insurance that Nyla has that, um, the people that contacted me, they didn't accept that insurance. So I had to go about trying to find, um, somebody to accept her insurance. When I did, they were supposed to have gotten back to me. I believe the doctor's office was supposed to fax them a referral. I don't know if they ever did that. We never heard any more about it. And I hadn't followed up on it. However, since then, it just seems like ever since they told us that, Nyla's been improving. Nyla's been saying a lot more words. She's responding to her name a lot more often. Um, it's not every time, but it is more often. Yeah. She um and even as of this weekend, we told we was visiting you know, my in-laws, my sister-in-law and them and, um, their baby. And we told Nyla to give her a hug and Nyla understood. And she went and gave her a hug. So she has improved greatly over these last couple months. And she's still not speaking. Like she, she, she's not like, I guess speaking how she's supposed to at the time, but it's definitely a huge improvement. And it makes me lean a little more toward, a lot more towards just her being speech delayed in the prematurity as opposed to autism. But we're not going to be those naive parents that's just going to, you know. Everything is okay. You just got to continue to monitor her and make sure she got everything she needs. Yeah, definitely. So we'll, we're going to continue to monitor her and we're going to continue to work with her. I will say, um, Miss Rachel, I'm sure you all, if you have kids, you know about Miss Rachel and she, Nyla learns a whole lot from her. A lot of her words and phrases and stuff come from Miss Rachel. She's also a singer. One of her favorite movies right now is Frozen and she be singing them songs. She be singing them loud too. And like just every day her words are clearer and she's more like, she's interacting more and she's when she was like a little baby she wasn't really affectionate as far as like you know how you could just lay a baby on you they'll lay with you or they'll lay in bed with you and watch tv nyla wasn't that baby but now she's a lot more affectionate she wants to lay on you she lays in the bed and watch tv with us she'd be like up she wants us to pick her up every morning when i get her out of her pack and play she just lays on my chest and just chill so she's definitely affectionate she's not like withdrawn or standoffish or anything at all anything you want to add baby uh no i'm just uh i'm i'm, I'm just uh in, in, in amazement at her growth every day and i'm just gonna continue to sit back and enjoy it all right so um this is actually the first time that we've shared this kind of publicly like our immediate family knew about it but um we wasn't like making no announcement you know what i mean so we'll keep y'all posted and we'll just ask that you um keep us all in your prayers and um if anybody has some stories they want to share if they um your child has been in any similar situation um and whatever the outcome whether it turned out that your child was autistic or whether it was just a speech delay and you have tips on improving it please send me an email at letsmom.b.podcast at gmail.com you can send me a dm on instagram at let's mom bitch 
You can also send me a DM on Facebook at Let's Mom Bitch. And you can always leave a comment on my YouTube channel. This video, this podcast episode will not be on YouTube this week, but hopefully I'll be able to pick back up with YouTube within the next couple of weeks. All right. Well, I think that we are going to end the um, episode off on that note today. Um, Again, I thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Let's Mom Bitch. Um, Again, my email address is letsmom.b.podcast at gmail.com. You can also hit me up on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. And I want to leave you with the affirmation for today. That affirmation is, I love myself, I am proud of myself, and I exude confidence. We will see you next week. Bye.